0: The Afternoons with Joy podcast is presented by United Faith Mortgage. Let their direct lender advantage save you time and money.
1: Welcome to a very special episode of the Afternoons with Joy podcast. My guest today, you probably know him from the band 10th Avenue North. This is Mike Donahue, And Mike is now in the midst of a solo career. He's a published artist. And Mike is one of the deepest and most thoughtful guys that I think I've ever met. So I decided to go deep with him today. And trust me. It is so worth your time. The first topic that we cover is marriage, and he said things I've never heard anybody say before in a way that I absolutely needed to hear them. And later on in the interview, we talk about everything from how do you share your faith and not be influenced negatively? What does he think heaven is going to be like? There's so much powerful content here. It's not a bad idea to listen with a pen and paper. Here is my special guest, Mike Donahue. I'm here with Mike Donahue. Yes. And you have a podcast called Chasing the Beauty. Oh, you have do. an album out last year called thank Flourish. You. We have loved you for years from oh, 10th Avenue you. North. Yes. So I I wanted to ask you some of the deeper parts of some of your songs. And then I literally just asked people online, mm-hmm. what are some of the spiritual questions you've always wanted to ask? And I'm going to get your take oh, because great. I trust you that much. I,
0: well, let's, let's get into it. Okay. So
1: um, I love your song, Work of Art About Marriage. Hey, okay. I have been married for five years. We just started marriage counseling again because I'm like that. You just need sometimes another voice. Of course. And I loved that your song was about how to stay in love. Mm -hmm. So what's your advice for someone who, like me, who just want, I want the butterflies again, but it's hard when there's children. It's the
0: same advice. I I just posted a video about this where I have a buddy who keeps saying, how did you know she was the one? I was like, well, because sometimes she was. And, like, and they're so, so disappointing. Wait, what? No, <laughs> all the time. Because that it's, means sometimes she's not. It's going to be all the time. I was like, well, then flip it around. Ask her, are you the one all the time? Mm-mm. Of course not. Yeah. Are you the one all the time to yourself? Mm-hmm. No, there's tons of times you're like, ugh, me? Gross. <laughs> um, and so when you when you realize like falling in love, it, it happens to you. And I think that's what people mean when they want to say, is this the one? I want to find someone who I don't ever have to choose. I want it to be like it was at the beginning. Easy. Because when you fall in love, you didn't choose it. It, I say in the song, it's all colors and sparks. It's so sweet. fall in love is easy. But to stay in love takes the choice. It takes the, I'm going to work at this. I'm going to take these colors and these paints, and I'm going to put my paintbrush to the canvas and try Mm -hmm. to make something beautiful with you.
1: Yeah. So you are saying in your marriage, it looks
0: like choosing each other on the hard days. Well... I mean, it means choose each other all days. <laughs> it's kind of like there's guys who go, oh, I, I need to know if she's the one. I need to know if she's the one. I need to know if she's the one, right? Then they get their answer. They get married. They stop asking God, how should I treat this woman every day after? Mm-hmm. Which to me is equally as important as seeking his advice on the front end.
1: Ugh, it's almost be- like you don't have to put quite as much effort forth and you get caught in the daily life so you just don't put as much forward
0: of course yeah absolutely it's so hard well yeah
1: (laughs) it's supposed to be it's marriage (laughs) i mean
0: it is it is hard right but i think a good way to reframe it i wrote this song called better actually about this oh which it says um i was praying about my marriage like hey god when is it gonna get easy and i felt like god said it may not get easy and I was like, oh. but that doesn't mean it won't get better. Mm. What in your life that's been easy is better? Not a lot. The easy things are never the best things. It's always the things that took some effort. And those are the things you stand back and are most proud of at the end.
1: Yes. Uh, right before we started this interview, I was talking to one of my coworkers about kids and mm-hmm. how... It's I mean I'm so new to all of this. It's some sure. of the hardest, toughest moments that I've faced, but you could never describe the sweetness that like it adds to your life. And I, that's also why I loved your song um Glory I Couldn't See. Mm. It literally brought tears to my eyes because you talk about missing some of those moments with your family. What woke you up and how how do you continue to live in a present way?
0: Yeah, what woke me up was 5 weeks into the pandemic. I was Utterly miserable.
1: You're like these people.
0: I was, just, I was like, no, I don't want to be stuck here, right? And I think we having, all did that. We're having homeschool our kids, and we're not homeschool teachers, so they're getting dumber every day. <laughs> we're watching it happen. We can't fix it. <laughs> oh, no. And and I was reading uh, the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, and in letter 15, it talks about the present is the only point where time touches eternity. And, you know, it's an uncle demon coaching a nephew demon, and he's like, try to get your human to get obsessed about the future or the past, but don't let them live in this present moment because the present is the only point that touches eternity. Man. So it's basically like, as long as we're resisting where we are, we're not really participating with God. But the second we say, I'm not saying you, I choose a pandemic, but there is an element of, I choose to be here where I've been put. Mm -hmm. And now I can actually interact with eternity. Yes. And so that shifted me, and suddenly I didn't feel like a prisoner. I felt this opportunity, and we started camping in the backyard. And we started, now I'm privileged probably more than a lot of people where, you know, I could camp out in the backyard and still afford groceries and all that. Mm -hmm. But the, the point remains we have to choose where we are, or we're a victim to where we are.
1: Yes. I struggle with being in the present so much. So I, when I notice my anxiety's high, like it was this weekend, oh, I go, yeah. Oh no, it's happening. <laughs> and I'm like, I have to be present. Are there little things you do in your mind or in your life that help bring you back to the moment or that make you be present? Cause I have yeah. to put so much effort in.
0: Yeah. I, I only have certain days I can be on social media. Oh really? That was it for me. I just get lost in the vortex and I'm nowhere. Mm. So I just did this trip to Wyoming with a bunch of dudes, and there was no cell service and no uh, internet, and it was amazing. How long were you there? Five days. Off the grid. Yeah, and the first day, dudes are tweaking. There's <laughs> fun, 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 fun. And you, it's, it's shocking when, when you get in that situation, and you why am I, what did I, and you don't even realize how many times you just reflexively are just, huh, mm-hmm. huh. And I think... I I mean, you can look at the graphs, you know, there's, you know, social dilemma, different documentaries, but anxiety and social media use are on this same graph. Right. And so that tells me my I love what Carlos Whitaker said the other day. He talked about story fatigue. We get more information in the first 30 minutes we're awake than our grandparents would have gotten in a month.
1: Whoa. I've never even thought about that.
0: So it's just the amount of things that you're, you're telling your brain and your heart, you have to care about these yeah, things. Yeah, and we can't. We don't have the capacity. And so what ends up happening is you don't care for anybody right in front of you. You Because really... you're exhausted by everything out there. And that's why we get kind of
1: jaded, because we're not able to participate in the way we should.
0: Yeah, have you heard the science about 150? The 150 number? No. Like, um, all the micro-communities in the world historically, like healthy communities, all the nomadic tribes, hover around 150 persons. That's all they can manage? So even Gore-Tex, that company, they won't build a building that holds more than 150 people. Because there's something about, there's a number where you can care for each other, be in each other's lives, Have enough distance from each other, but also still enough interaction where you can tend to each other's needs. And what's really strange is the more densely populated a city, the higher the levels of loneliness and depression. So New York City is is statistically the, the most depressed, loneliest city in the world. Why
1: do you think that is when there's more people
0: in a place, you get lonelier? It's because the, I would say, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, who knows, but one thing that strikes me is um, subjectivity is harder to maintain when there's so many humans. And so Mm -hmm. what happens is the subjects become objectified. It's, like you can't, it's just because you don't have enough capacity for that many people. Mm-hmm. And then when that starts happening, then everyone kind of becomes objectified. And then you yeah. feel sort of disconnected from everyone. You don't feel known. You don't feel seen. It's, it's kind of like I had more friends. I went to a small private Christian school. Me too. I had more friends than most of my friends at huge public schools. Because you knew everyone in your class. Yeah.
1: And they can't because there's c- like 500 people in yes. their class. Yes. Although I did, I kind of wanted to go to a public school someday. Oh, (laughs) like these same boys every day. Hey, just taking a quick break from this conversation with Mike Donahue to tell you about our incredible podcast sponsors. If you're tired of opening shows on Netflix or on Disney+, and finding that there's stuff in there you don't really want your kid to see, then you need to check out PureFlix. They are a faith and family friendly, exclusive movie and TV entertainment platform. They're great for the entire family, and they have so many creative shows. In fact, there's a brand new one called Live and Local that is a show based on Christian radio. And a bunch of our artists, Colton Dixon, Skillet, they're actually in episodes of the show, so you can check that out. They also have things like Veggie Tales, which I grew up loving, Bible Man, the fireproof movie series, God's Not Dead, and they even have brand new movies coming out, like one specifically geared towards the relationship between dads and daughters. If you want to check it out, all you have to do is text PURE, P U R E. To 91979 to get your one-week free trial. Text PURE, that's P-U-R-E, to get your one-week free trial of faith and family entertainment with no ads on your favorite devices. (laughs) Here's some questions about God. Give us your thoughts. So someone asked, how do I discern whether I'm hearing God's voice or whether I'm hearing the desires of my own heart? I want to know, too.
0: That's a (laughs) great—I mean, if you sort that question out, would you get back to me?
1: I feel like you, songwriting, is
0: probably you trying to work some of those things out. Psalm 49, David says, uh, I incline my ear to wisdom, and with the music of the lyre I will solve my riddle. So that's exactly what David said. It's like, I have all these thoughts and feelings, and this is what God says, and I'm going to get my guitar out, and I'm going to let them collide, and hopefully I can unriddle what's me and what's God, right? Um, I think there's some easy qualifiers, right? Like, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly, okay? So are these thoughts, are they leading me toward justice? Or are they leading me toward mercy? Or are they leading me toward humility? Okay, those are probably from God. Um, the word Satan in Hebrew means accuser. So if I hear an accusatory voice, that's probably not from God. Mm-hmm. But usually when people ask that question, they're usually asking about, like, what what's the plan for my life? That's yeah. usually the framework. Like, and how I am I coming I know? up with it? Correct.
1: I, f- I feel like so often I'm trying to decide, I'm not trying to decide between something good and evil. I'm trying to decide between plenty of things that could be good. Do you just pray and
0: walk? You know, this is what my whole book is about, finding God's life for my will. My first book, which I just finished second book last oh, week. Oh, I saw in Wyoming. We'll get to that. But my whole book could be summed up in this Frederick Buechner quote. He had the best, best quote. So simple. He said, your calling is where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Think about that.
1: So where your passions meet the need.
0: Right. So, so in Christian circles, what we do is, hey, what does the world need? Oh, they, we need missionaries in Africa. I guess I have to go be a missionary in Africa. Are you wired to be a missionary in Africa? Do you love Africa? Are you, like, fascinated with their culture? You, well, no, but someone's got to go, so I'm going to do it. And then you go. And guess what? You burn out in six months. You're miserable. And you come back. Or we go, what makes you come alive? Because I, never even know. I mean, there's a St. Ignatius quote, the glory of God is man fully alive. But if you, if you just ask that,
1: so you become a
0: narcissistic something. <laughs> now, the magic is when you ask both questions and you hold them in tension. So when you say, hey, what makes me come alive? Oh, I love writing songs. Oh, I love I love doing radio. I love interviewing. I love Okay, now let's ask the next question. Now that you figured out what you love, mm-hmm. how can I do that thing in a way that actually serves and meets the world's needs? And you that's know? where I think God probably answers presents yeah.
1: opportunities.
0: Yeah, that's where the magic is.
1: How do I share my faith and live for Jesus but not be influenced negatively by my friends who don't share
0: my beliefs? I have a thought on that. <laughs> I used to see this you know, bad company corrupts good character. Right. Is this
1: the chair thing? Yes. Okay, I forgot. Yeah, yes. bad
0: company corrupts good character. So what we do is, this is the analogy I got given in youth group. They're like, Okay, big <laughs> big Timmy. Here he goes, stand <laughs> up on this. I'm gonna try not <laughs> to You know is awesome. He's up on the chair and it's like little Susie, try to, you know, try to pull Timmy down. Big Timmy, big muscular Timmy's up on the chair, pull little Susie up. And he's like, and no matter what even though little Susie was tiny, she pulls Timmy down off yeah. the chair. Ah, you know. So then See? they're like, don't
1: hang out with people like little they're Susie. They're going to
0: pull you down, right? <laughs> so I go, okay, great. However, Jesus went to those people. He came down to us and let the same mindset be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And he hung out with the people that everybody else was like, don't. So how did Jesus hang out with? Riff raff and didn't get pulled down. Mm -hmm. And I would say it's because he became the servant of all. So the question then becomes hey, if I get down, sorry, I'm going to pull your tape out. And I'm like, okay, let's rewind the tape. Okay, little, little, a big Timmy, serve, serve little Susie at her feet. Okay, now, now little Susie, try to knock big Timmy down.
1: You can't because he's already down. He's
0: can't, you can't (laughs) knock down a guy who's, who's like, his whole mission is to serve. Ooh, so
1: right? we're going at it wrong. We're trying to like I mean influence it, them for Jesus and you're saying just
0: serve them and show them Jesus. It nobody wants to feel like like a notch on your belt. Yeah. Nobody wants to feel like I am the object of your crusade. They want to feel loved and cherished and known. And so it it's interesting Yeah, if you just look at those people as like a target on their back, i got to go save them in the name of Jesus, yeah, they're probably going to end up influencing you in the wrong way because you're looking at them the wrong way. Mm -hmm. But if you go, I am the hands and feet of Jesus, the same mindset that was in Jesus is in me. So he laid aside his divinity and became a servant, even a servant unto death. So when I go around going, how can I serve these people? Suddenly it's really tough for them to influence me negatively.
1: I feel like that just changed everything. Okay, last one. Someone wants to know what you think heaven will be like. There was a lot of controversy online about this actually.
0: Okay, so I just wrote about this in my book.
1: Oh, really? Okay, what's the can I get the title of the so new one? the book
0: is going to be called Grace in the Grey, a mm. more loving way to disagree.
1: Oh, we need that. So
0: I've, you know, played in hundreds of denominations of churches and there's something about being a Christian musician. I don't know Maybe it's any musician, but I feel like specifically Christian, everyone who's a fan of my music assumes that I agree with them on everything. Yeah. So the second I post something on social media that or I say something to them at a concert and I see it, I've 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 been in a line and been talking to someone and I answered something a way they were not expecting and I saw like it was like a short circuit like <laughs> are you saying and and just unleash the Kraken, you know, and... That's got to be really upsetting. You're like, uh, you can still love my music, and we could disagree on this one thing. It's, it's interesting. You would think Christians have a defender named Jesus, so they ought to be the least defensive people on the planet.
1: But we're not.
0: They have a savior, so they don't have to save themselves, which means they ought to be the most honest and upfront about their mistakes, they believe in a God who is holy, so his essential characteristic is that he's a mystery. So they ought to hold their beliefs with humility, going at the end of the day, there's a lot about him I don't know, right? It,
1: everything you're saying makes so much sense that I'm like, why aren't we like
0: that? Yeah, exactly. Why
1: are we the way we
0: are? This Well, it having a corner on the truth is a dangerous thing for the ego. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us, come to Jesus to be right. We don't come to Jesus to be changed. Mm. One of my favorite verses in the Bible used to be the one I was the most scared of. And it was, um, if you do not forgive others, I will not forgive you.
1: Yes. Intense.
0: It's right after the Lord's Prayer, but much much more seldomly quoted than the Lord's Prayer. Mm -hmm. And I used to think that means, okay, if I don't get my act together and forgive other people, God's not going to forgive me. But I got thinking about it, and, you know, Romans is so full of all these admonitions of, like, salvation comes through faith alone, mm-hmm. it's nothing we do, it's not obeying, obeying the law. So I'm like, what does this mean when Jesus says that? And I think it goes this way. Hey, God, I want to be forgiven. Okay, here you go. Hey, you got to forgive them now. No, they don't deserve to be forgiven. But you don't deserve to be forgiven. Right. So you want my unconditional love, but you're not going to give my love unconditionally to them? Correct. Yeah. Well, then you can't have unconditional love unless you keep it unconditional. That's the only condition required to keep his love unconditional is, you know, is to keep it unconditional. So, I've thought, I don't know what heaven's going to be like. I mean, there's a lot, you know, is it going to come down to earth? I do believe that is probably a more proper understanding of scripture is that the end result is going to be something like heaven coming down and invading and reforming earth mm-hmm. as we know it. Um, but one thing I've been thinking about is what if, now this is extra biblical, so just go with me. I know
1: what I'm excited.
0: So this is in my book. So you, you die, you go to heaven and you're sitting there and St. Peter's sitting on a little pedestal and he's got the book of life open and he reads your name. And you're like, oh yes, I'm in. And then just, just let's like say the gates start creaking open and, you know, you can kind of see Jesus, but you're being blinded because the light from his face is so bright and, you're, and you can see like gold and jewels and everything like Revelation says. You're just, oh, this is amazing. And you go, to, you go to go in, but then this shadowy figure comes out of the gates towards you and you're like, wait, who is that? And then you get just enough glimpse. And then it's that one person who you thought there is no way I would ever talk to them again. Not after what they said, not after what they did to me, not after this, that, that. And they come to you and they're they, shockingly they say, I'm so sorry. They apologize. They're like, I was wrong. I'm so grateful for the forgiveness of Jesus. And you're like, yeah, 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 good for you. And you go to get by him, you skirt by him and you like kind of push him <coughs> aside as you start running, but the gates go, Poof, and you're like, ah, what, hell, what happened? And you look back at Peter and he goes, ah, oh, sorry, there's a catch. You got to go in in pairs. Oh. <gasps> That's fascinating. Well, this is why I'm probably taking it way too far here now, but this is why I don't agree with the Mormon position that we all get our own planets.
1: Because you're on your
0: own. Because Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. So we think in our brain, oh, heaven is going to be all these mansions, which is actually the picture that C.S. Lewis gives in The Great Divorce when he's talking about hell.
1: Because you're separate. Further
0: away, further away, further away. You get to build your own house. Further away, further away. Isolation, isolation, isolation. Kind of sounds
1: like my neighborhood in the pandemic.
0: (laughs) And the word for mansion in the Aramaic actually means apartment. And he's mm-hmm. referencing the family insulas of the Hebrew people, which were a family dwelling, and each generation would build an apartment onto the next. So communal. Right? And so when he says, in my father's house are many mansions, what he's saying is, in my father's house there are many rooms, there are many apartments, mm-hmm. and we're all going to live together, you know? And so if you better you, start
1: to like people that's if you want to be I in mean, heaven, th- you're we're going to be together forever. If
0: you don't like forgiveness, <laughs> you're going to hate heaven. <laughs>
1: I feel like that's the perfect place to end. <laughs> if you don't like forgiveness, well, it's time to figure it out. That's really helpful. I hate it. You brought so much good wisdom to us today. I cannot thank you enough. Oh, thanks. Thanks for opening your brain and your heart. We'll see. <laughs> I told you, he's so good. So much wisdom from Mike Donahue today. If you want to hang out with him on Instagram, his handle is simply his name, Mike Donahue. Follow him and message him. Tell him thanks for being on the show. He's got a brand new book coming out next year called Grace in the Gray, A More Loving Way to Disagree. And I'm so excited for it. His current book you can pick up right now, Finding God's Life for My Will. And he has an EP out as well.